Hi everybody, my name is Alyssa Brown. I'm with Empower You as one of our BCBAs. Welcome back to our podcast, ABA on the Go. We're so happy you came back to listen to more of our exciting conversations. Um, we have a great group today. I want to give everyone the opportunity to introduce themselves. Hi everyone, I'm Melissa Riley, another BCBA with Empower You. I'm Kevin, I'm a BT with Empower You. Hi everyone, I'm Chris, I'm a BT with Empower You as well, and a Behavior Analyst candidate. What's going on everyone, my name is Peter Odrugo, I'm a Behavior Tech with Empower You as well, as well as a Behavior Candidate. Welcome everybody, this is so exciting, we have another big group, and um, we have an exciting conversation today, a good topic, we're going to be talking about soft skills. Soft skills. Uh, yes, so it's a very, I think, under-appreciated um, topic, but extremely important, especially in the work that we do that is so intimately involved with our clients uh, working in the home environment. Right. Um, it really, really is It's one of those things that doesn't get enough attention but should probably just be talked about. Absolutely. We are saying a, yep. even as you're doing your supervision and you're go- going through the process, it's something that no one really teaches you. And then you just are in the field and you have to kind of... It could probably be its own course. It could be actually. its own course. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to tease apart a main definition for soft versus hard skills. According to Indeed, um, and I think this is a really easy way to think about it, hard skills are those technical job-related skills that you need to get in the door, right? The things that you need, you absolutely need this foundational knowledge in order to get certified in the work that you do. So knowledge and abilities, um, in our line of work, this would pertain to knowing the task list, Mm -hmm. Uh, all that information in Cooper, right? Everything you need to pass that exam, those are your hard skills. Soft skills, on the other hand, would be those personal qualities that help employees thrive. So now you're in the door, but now what actually differentiates the staff member who um, got in Mm -hmm. and has a caseload versus the staff member that really gets that acknowledgement of doing really making connections personal connections right Um, I think like we talk about it all the time where anybody can study right and they could you know know the definitions and the terminology and strategies techniques all of that but Anyone can pass the test and then, but then what? What what separates you yep. from other BCBAs? Yep. What, you know, makes it effective? How are you going to thrive as a behavior analyst? And it's really those soft skills. You have to have a combination of both. It's not one, it's not the hard skills, yep. it's not just soft skills, but it's a good combination that you're really going to set yourself for success. And Alyssa and I, we, we talk often about it's not just... Um, doing an interview with that candidate who comes in with the glowing resume experience and this it's not just about that because you can quickly sort of tell when those soft skills are lacking and so soft skills meaning those personal qualities that are really going to make this this candidate successful in a home. Mm-hmm. This person able to more easily de-escalate issues right. and make connections and kind of I don't want to use the word sell what they're doing, but really encourage and um, motivate mm-hmm. the family to follow the plan. So these are all those those nuances of the job that just don't get the attention. And I feel like, like we said, like even like my own personal supervision, mm-hmm. like we didn't talk about any of this. No. And it was just, no. you know, like we did everything with the task list and all these activities, right. but like it was never discuss these soft skills and how important they are and then 
you know, we've been talking and it's just sort of like things that you learn as you go and how, how to better yourself in, in different areas and how to improve on these soft skills. And I just feel like you're constantly still learning it, right? Like, I mean, I'm still learning and different situations come up and how to handle things. And it's all these sort of soft skills that really play such an important role in what we do in our field. We want to also make sure that we continue to give this field a good name. Yes. And uh, one point we made earlier was that we don't want to, we don't want to be pleasantly surprised when somebody has nice soft skills, right? Right. We don't want it to be like, oh, that person was really good at connecting with people. Right. It should just be more the norm as opposed to the nice bonus. Right. And like, let's be honest, I know we've we've talked about this at some point too, but there is some very common misconceptions about ABA in general and how I... I always hear hear the one that we're robotic and we come in and we're, you know, and it's just, it's so important to have these soft skills and show that we have compassion and people skills and empathy, like all of these things that we're going to dive into, right? But we're not just robots coming in with no, you know, compassion and love for the families and the clients and, you know. And that's been researched and some of the words... There we that go. came back to describe what people <laughs> thought of ABA. Look at words. that lead way into that. That was, that was yeah. a beautiful, yeah, segue, not lead way. <laughs> Jargonistic. Yeah. Abrasive. Oh. Harsh. Unpleasant. Overly mechanical. Mm. Voting prompt dependency and lacking in spontaneity. See. My goodness. Yeah, and that, but mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. the the what some people think of us, and that's like it's a bitter pill to swallow for us, right? Yeah. That we have to yeah. go in and almost prove ourselves, like. We come in with such a bad reputation and just proving that we're not just that, right? And that's, again, the importance of those soft skills. It's our shadow. It is. It right, is. Right. And we kind of said before, it, you know, we're just hypothesizing, but it could be possibly a product of this field being more directive mm-hmm. in its approach mm-hmm. as opposed to um, collaborative. Right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, and off to piggyback off what Chris said, pe- uh, people also find it um, uh, ABA language uh, awkward, awkward sounding as well. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You know, um, and this is a really new field, mm-hmm. and to expand it, our we need to develop ourselves as more effective collaborators. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that all depends on how we. Um, interpersonally relate to mm-hmm. one another um, and how we speak to one another you know how we navigate through you know interpersonal situations um, in a way that puts forth like compassion and humanity mm-hmm. um, it's all about disseminating our science in a very correct correct way and uh, and it's and it's so ironic because it all depends on how we spread it to non-behavior analysts. That's right. You know, right. not not behavior analysts, not not people who are in the field because we already know it. Right. right. We don't you have know. to convince other BCBAs. Yeah. Exactly. How so, great ABA is. <laughs> yeah, so it, uh, it all depends on how we um, communicate it to the like the average everyday person. Yeah. And that's abs- and that's honestly what you're doing during sessions, right? Yeah. With your families, like we come in, we have these great plans, but you have to be able to, like you said, talk in layman's terms, something that they're gonna understand. Cause if you're throwing all these terms and all these strategies and techniques, it's gonna go right over their head. You want them to feel a part of it. You want them to feel 
that they understand what's going on, that they're receptive. So you have to speak in terminology that people will understand. I yeah. think to avoid intimidation, right? Yes, because intimidation. That's a great once way of putting it. Once you start to feel, and we know this in the work that we do, once you start to create that aversion almost, nobody has motivation to do anything at that point. No, they, right. They, they, nobody, family-wise, has motivation to get to know more about the plan. Right. In fact, it, I think my, my feeling is it creates that wall like a, Right. Too much. Too much. It's too much. It's too involved. When we could have just said it in different words. Mm -hmm. That's often something that newbie CBAs, including myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. Yep. um, Newbie CBAs have to really adjust to. Right. Because you're, you know, you're coming out of the gate. You want to use all your jargon. You're excited to write that plan. And um, you've got to know your audience of who you're working with. Who are you selling it to? Right. It's so true. It's not going in a a journal. It's going to a family who has no experience with what you're doing. Exactly right. And I feel like, too, like we were also saying just the importance, too, of when you're you're starting with the family is building that rapport with the family Mm -hmm. also and having them be a part of your assessment and the process. Again, you could write the best plan in the world, but if you go to this family and it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for their child, like they have to be such a pivotal, pivotal part of the assessment process and having them you know, feel like that collaboration and asking them, like, what do you want to prioritize? Right. What We're here to help the client and their family, and it's it doesn't matter then exactly, like, what we think. If it's not going to work for them and it doesn't make sense, then you have to adjust and you have to have them be a, be a part of it. Right. You know, it's just such a pivotal pairing. We talk all the time about pairing with our clients, but it's just as important to pair with the families. Absolutely. You can't just come in and, bar- you know, giving – orders and ideas and this and that they're not going to be receptive mm-hmm. you have to pair 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 and <laughs> build and, a relationship <laughs> and i feel like it aligns with our company to empower you yes um, yes when nice. i first joined i want to say two years ago now um i looked up before my interview mm-hmm. you know i went to the website and i looked up the like the mission statement and all mm-hmm. and you know oh, nice. um and the whole and even even marlon um we all know we all know marlon i asked him like so where do you how do you right. come up with the name empower you you know so it's not he's he explained to me it's not just us empowering um ourselves mm-hmm. but we're also empowering families that right. we work with oh, so, you know okay. so that's how i look at it it's more so i'm empowering the parent mm-hmm. to um to understand what their child is dealing with i'm under- yes. empowering the parent to you know maybe want to maybe want to run a program not run a program but be consistent with treatment mm-hmm. after we're not there because mm-hmm. let's be honest here the family is constant in the child's life yes we're right us. We're, temp- we're temporary you know um so more so is giving the the parent the confidence to you know to understand what the child's going through to carry maybe carry out a treatment plan out when yeah. we're gone you know giving um, them that knowledge yeah, and exactly. how and how important that is like you said spreading that knowledge and empowering them because you know, a lot of times people, especially when they're new to ABA families, they come in with no understanding, right. no knowledge of it. And we're the ones that are giving them the knowledge, modeling, giving them feedback, all of those important things that's going to ultimately help our client and help the family. That's a really good point. And like yeah. you said, we're not constant. ABA, you know, we go in and we, we get them to a point where then we can generalize it to the mm-hmm. family and transition. And that's the ultimate goal. We're Definitely. not supposed to be there yeah. forever as much as it breaks your heart sometimes and you want to <laughs> stay with these kids forever. It's but a learning model. Yeah, yeah. It's, it a, is. it's a teaching model. It's a teaching model where if we don't generalize this to 
mm-hmm. the families who are the direct caregivers, mm-hmm. um, then really what are we doing? Why are we there? Why are we there? So yeah. and like any, everybody knows about generalization, mm-hmm. the importance of that. So is it really going to help anyone if, you know, Johnny can only do X, Y, and Z when he's sitting at the table and he's when we're there at the to you? Exactly. So. Like I always say, just like you were saying, Peter, like we're there you know, eight, 10, 12 hours, whatever it is. But these families, they're there, you know, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are there 24 seven mm-hmm. and that's who it has to work for. And I feel like that's such just an important thing for us to realize. Like, like you said, yeah, yeah all fine and dandy if it works when we're there, but what about the other 20 hours a day? You know, it's just, it has to make so sense. So it's, this all circles back to, again, the importance of soft skills, the mm-hmm. importance of how do you then increase chances of motivating the responses you want right how do you do that how do you keep motivation high or keep that um you know keep everybody in that zone of proximal development keep everybody engaged and wanting to learn more right soft skills are certainly going to help i was going to say make sure that the treatments are sustainable because that's really what matters here is that it's got to be sustainable for years after you leave right right so so we're avoiding here i think sterile Mm -hmm. um directive overly directive yeah presentation of a plan we're, we're, we're trying to avoid that cold a cold hard shell and yes. that's kind of what I feel yes. like like I said the misconception is like robotic the coldness the hardness and just going in and yeah you know just showing the compact like I feel like our field you have to have compassion it's mm-hmm. not something that you can mm-hmm. fake it till you make it right like I just think of other I mean, I don't want to say it, but I feel like other jobs you can. Like, if right. you're not compassionate, but you can get through the workday. You could do whatever. You could sit on a computer, whatever it is. But when we're coming into people's homes and working directly with your child, who is the most important thing in your life, like, we have to show that compassion oh, and that yeah. empathy uh, 100%. for the, the client, for the family. You can't just, you can't just fake it because there's some hard days. There's some hard moments, and you have to love what you do I feel like think know? about for one second if you if any of us were the parent here yeah and think about for one second if I wouldn't want this person in my house mm-hmm. would I want them in my company right on a case so it's so true and I think about that all the time all right. the time when we do interviews when we're hiring we're, we're, we're constantly keeping in mind if would I have comfort right with what this is right and if i wouldn't why would i expect this is going to be successful right Right. what were you going to say peter um in this article uh soft skills the case for compassionate approaches or how behavior analysis keeps finding its heart by jessica l warner kimberly b marshall colleen suzio and mary jane waste um they defined um empathy as related to perspective taking Mm-hmm. Whereas compassion takes empathy a, a step further and converts empathy into an act um, aired at the alleviation of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like in our field, uh, there's a lot of misconception on, um, I would say, having compassion for mm-hmm. for for the client. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, like families, be are more comfortable when. Like, you offer them choices. Right. You know, you offer them choices in their session. Uh, they feel like they feel like they're more, they feel more, like they're more controlled mm-hmm. and more power. Like, mm-hmm. parents want to be in control. Absolutely. But it's so hard from, for them to be in control of something that they don't understand. Yes. Right. You know, so yes. you want to just make sure that it's, you may be dealing with, a, 
it, it, it may be an ego thing, who knows mm-hmm. what it is, mm-hmm. but you know, as a parent, you want to take care of your kid, you want right. to provide, you want to make sure they're good 100% of the time, so it could be discouraging if you don't understand the subject. Right. That's yeah. absolutely right. I feel like how important it is to ex- uh, communicate to them um, information so they can make an informed decision right. about their child. And again, like using the layman's terms and not just throwing these term, you know, terminology out right. at them so that they understand. But I also want to go off of what you were saying, Peter, about like the empathy and just realizing like we're all human. Our mm-hmm. clients are going to have bad days just like how we have bad days. I was giving an example before we started this of I went to a session yesterday and the family was camping all weekend and they literally got home from a three hour car ride mm-hmm. an hour before session started. So I come in, and of course my client's tired and cranky, which, you know, anyone would be. We would be, Right. I mean, you know, and it's just having that empathy and and understanding, like, he's not, you know, super ready for this session. So instead of going in with my game plan of what we typically do during a session, what did we do? We started off with reading Pete the Cat, because it's his favorite, and easing into our session. Because I always think of, like, what's the alternative? If I went in and had him start his math worksheet... That would have been the end of it, right? I would set him up for failure. But it's having that understanding and empathy and understanding we all have those days and those moments and how we can adjust. Giving choices, flexibility, flexibility, like, right. All of those things to set them up for success instead of coming in and just trying to stick to the plan. And, you know, you have to have that empathy for our clients. It's a really a a good point that, um, you know, you would consider it almost contradictory that we're so directive right. in what we do, yet what what is the one of the biggest qualities that you need as a BCBA? Flexibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I oh think gosh. we've talked about this a few times with, you know, you have to shift gears all the time. I always say, I mean, I know, I, I feel like I always give this example, but flexibility even with scheduling. Oh. I come up, I'm very <laughs> OCD with things, and I come up with this great schedule every week, and it'll be like Monday morning at 9 a.m., and so-and-so has a doctor's appointment. This happened, this happened. Your life, you got to be flexible, and it's something that I still work on, I struggle yeah. with, because, yeah. like, I like to know what's going to happen, but you got to be flexible. You, can't ex- you cannot expect its perfection. No. It's never going to be perfect. You have to just roll with it as much as you can. And we're not saying in a way like things don't matter. It's Mm -hmm. not true. We're not trying to minimize importance. We're just trying to say flexibility is so huge in this field. It's so huge on every level. When you're working with staff, Mm -hmm. when you're working with families, when you're writing your plans, when something doesn't work out the way you wanted, when... uh, when you understand that the plan that you thought was going to work can't be done because of a skill level maybe that's exactly what i was just going to go into like how we always say too like we can come up with these great plans but Mm -hmm. you also have to know your audience and i feel like that's such an important soft skill too because i came into this field you know thinking i was going to save the world and this and that and i had started in a school with you know teachers who had been teaching for many years and here i come with ideas and they didn't want to listen to me and they weren't receptive and it was very it was something that i had to adjust to but again collaborating with them instead of saying here's my ideas right pairing with Mm -hmm. them and saying this is your classroom i'm here to help you what what can we do together and having that collaborative approach versus here's my great plan because that doesn't matter if no one's going to follow it and if it's not being executed so you, and you have can to kind of 
they realize right like if, if we were in that position I always just try to swap it I try to right. swap it and say well mm-hmm. what if I was the teacher in the room yeah. and I've been teaching in this classroom for X amount of years and, and here comes little Alyssa know, with her ideas who, who may be significantly younger yeah comes in and I feel pretty confident in my skills but this person's telling me now they're the consultant yeah so that's exactly what it was it was terrible (laughs) it was awful perspective taking it is and i did and i get it but it was i mean and that was something so hard for me to like adjust to because you know it was just it's a learning curve but that was definitely a soft skill that i had to learn the hard way (laughs) oh yeah i was gonna say um but on the topic of family-centered approaches uh so how it empowers families and ultimately leads to better care um, and we see it like in different fields, like nursing, we see it in social work, and mm-hmm. especially in education as mm-hmm. a teacher, it's just the same concept. As a teacher, you could teach the child all of the um, material you can, but when they get home, you know, our parents holding them accountable to do their homework, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same concept. It's the same concept as you're going to a session and you're running a toileting, a, to- a toileting program and you have to go to the bathroom every 15 minutes. Right. Yeah, I'm there right. for, like, for one of my clients, I'm there for two to three hours, and we're, every 15 minutes, the timer goes off, we go to the, we go to the, the toilet. Now, if I leave mm. the house, and mom isn't taking him to the toilet every 15 to 20 minutes, this, everything I did kind of goes to At waste, window. you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like in increased adherence is also um, very important, and soft skills leads to better ed- to better ad- adherence for parents mm-hmm. um, and in this article um, ad- uh, adherence is described as treatment as an impl- implementation of treatment with accuracy and integrity mm. um, like that. so the quality of the phys- physician patient relationship has been identified as relating to increased adherence to treatment so there's different skills such as communication between patient and physician and patient trust in the in the physician, as well as knowing and understanding the patient, were identified as the most important interpersonal skills for improving adherence to medical treatment. Um, so so I could, interesting. Yeah, it's it's this more so. But it focusing, makes sense. Yeah. I mean. Right. This more focusing on medicine, but it's you, you could relate it to ABA as well. Absolutely, and I think too, like just even like with our clients, I am all about a team approach. Like I am always like. Give me the information for the school. Let's talk to the teacher, the care manager, the doctors. Like, I just think, which you all know and what you just touched on, if we're all consistent and we're all working together as a team, that is going to give you your best outcome. Oh, absolutely. Because if Johnny's in school and they're doing something one way and then he comes home with us for two hours and we do something and then the parent's doing something else, number one, like, how confusing, how frustrating. But if we can all work together as a team, that is going to always give you your best outcomes and you're going to have the the most effective, you know, programs for your kids. Definitely. Definitely. I like that variable, though, of needing to also collaborate with other professionals. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so important. Parents, it's being able to communicate, be able to analyst to, be able to analyst concepts to, you know, non-behavior analysts. Right. And being able to listen and collaborate and be able to, like, even reflect on the statements that they're making to make sure that you're you're checking for accuracy, that you actually right. understand what they're saying. Right. So... I can't tell you how many times I talk to, like, the school BCBAs and even just brainstorming with them. And I'm like, well, here's what we do, and this works really well. Why don't you try this? Sharing my materials, they, you know, share it with me also. And it's just, like, having that collaborative approach. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, not me not thinking like, oh, well, I'm his home BCBA and I don't need, you know what I mean? But there are people that are like that and instead being like, you know what? That was a great idea. Can you send me that visual? We're going to try it. You know, it's right. just, right. I just. Like being humble, which yeah. is like, you know, not a behavioral concept, but just being able to recognize that, hey, other people want the same thing that you want and they might have a exactly. different perspective yeah. that. You know, maybe it's a blind spot for you. Right. And That's we're all healthy. there to have the best success for our clients. And if it takes, I mean, I've also had situations where I might not agree with, right. you know, I mean, when right. I was in a school and we did the IEPs and all the, you know, different providers and teachers and all that, like, you might not agree. So then what do you do? And that's like another that's soft definitely skill. something that, you know, I, I feel like you you kind of are in a few times and then you practice how to say it the best. Right. Because it, it's going to pop up where someone's going to say something that you blatantly disagree with. Right. And you're not prepared for it. And how do you respond? That's a great point. Because yeah. it's not... How do we respond but still maintain the relationship that we have without minimizing anybody else? Right. And especially other disciplines. Mm-hmm. We're not experts. We're not speech-language pathologists right. or occupational therapists or physical therapists. Um, so we're not in any position to comment, really. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we're not nutritionists. Mm. We, you know, we, we don't, we're not experts of dietary plans. That's right. And other types of therapies that parents might try to do, although we right. may... I mean, how many of my clients, I could tell you, go to horse therapy and art therapy. And, you know, as a field, we know there's no scientific research to prove anything with autism. But at the same time, am I going to say to the family, like, you shouldn't be doing that? All I could say is that ABA is scientifically proven. We're Mm -hmm. research-based, all of those things. And that it is effective with autism. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's tricky sometimes. Right. But I think, you know, I've been in situations, again, like with the schools and and where I've disagreed and something that's always worked for me is like, oh, I might not agree with what they're saying, but let's take data on it. The data never lies. Mm -hmm. We'll take data for a couple weeks and and, and you said, right, exactly. Just like we would. And then I could say, you know, like, here's the data. It didn't really work. Like, let's try this instead. You know, like things like that. But or when your plan is attacked. Mm. So oh, let's say, too. for instance, <laughs> yeah. when your plan is attacked or blatantly disagreed with by mm-hmm. someone else, or maybe you're in a school position and you're sitting at a table and I'm um, thinking of a few people I know, and you have another consultant come in, another BCBA come in and mm-hmm. tell you that your plan didn't work. Yeah. Or why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. This doesn't make sense. How do you respond? Well, what's the empathetic approach there? Exactly. Is to try to That's understand, exactly like, it. why are they doing that? And... Like, you're trying to get, you have to understand their point and maybe what they're trying to get to. Yeah. And that requires you to kind of, like, step aside a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get your own ego out of the way. It's hard. It you is know, hard. You know, that's going to be something that is 100% a make it or break it for a lot of people where right. you, you in that moment could respond in a way that shuts down that relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you could respond in a way that fosters some kind of growth. And right. so it's so pivotal, but also... We don't learn this. No. You don't learn it until you... you until you're stuck in an IEP and you're just like, exactly. okay, no one agrees with me. <laughs> okay. Now what do I say? I could try this or I could try that. Personal right. experience. <laughs> but it's, it's true. And I feel like a lot of the soft skills too, like you learn it as you go. And that's why we're all still like, lear- like I'm still coming up with situations and right. being like, okay, well, how do I handle this? And it's like, 
it's just it's so interesting and a, really, <laughs> a really underrated skill i would say too is active listening too oh, oh yeah definitely like, yeah. like if you're talking to if you're trying to work with a child and a parent is telling you about their their night last night or their day their day, mm-hmm. their day like their weekend you know and you, you're obviously trying to focus on the yes. client. You yes. have to like. You still have to show. Oh, really? That's oh. so cool. Like, yeah. you, know, you, you, have to, you have to really try to care what they're talking right. about. Right. It's so Care about true. what they're talking about, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's it's that's people skills. It is. It's people skills. Like, you know, like yeah. Well, someone I know someone's article, which I don't know if we're gonna get into that, but like one of the articles was saying that like even walking into a session and asking the parent how are you how's johnny doing yes yeah, it's proper huge yes. proper, yeah. right instead of just coming in and being like okay we're gonna start but like <laughs> how big of a difference just asking how they're doing right. and mm-hmm. how the child's doing the client's doing how the program's going like and just making them again like feel part of the session and what you're doing right and what a big difference right. that makes even as simple too someone else's article i know they're all getting jumbled but even like your body language and how are you facing the parent are you away from the parent are your arms crossed are are you making eye contact like all of those little things that make your active listening as well right and that makes such a difference it is i mean imagine if i was you know away like angling away from you with my arms crossed not looking oh, at you when yeah. you're talking oh, i yeah. would be like okay who's this girl that's in my house like this but yeah. right it makes such a difference and just that's you know. a really good point that's a really good point well, yeah and like not sitting and standing by the door right like that's, a, that's yeah that's a very standoffish <laughs> i've seen that happen yeah and it's like wow you look like you really want to get out of here right one yeah. hand on the door yeah i'll be like okay 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 <laughs> um no, you gotta sit down. Yeah. <laughs> just sit. But it is. I mean, all of these, like, little things that, like, I mean, you guys are probably listening and just, like, yeah, okay. But, like, they make such a big difference. Oh, and yeah. you have to, like, always be aware of that kind of thing, too. Like, you don't want to, you know, it's... I think, Peter, we probably talked about... I talked about it with someone. That, uh, <laughs> it somebody, all jumbles together. Somebody oh. I said this to, mm-hmm. but in relation to trainings. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That you will pick up so much information nonverbal. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. You're training yep, people. Yep. So much information nonverbal. I want to venture to say maybe if not 50%, maybe 60%. Because, and, and you're not going to try to. It's just going to happen where you, yeah. you just start to understand patterns and what people are doing. And especially, like I apply this constantly, Steph, constantly. You can just tell. And it's not, we're not psychic. Right. We don't have any kind of like crazy intuition. But it's just... It's kind of like what you said, Chris. It's like you just experience it. That's mm-hmm. it. You experience it, and then you kind of file it. Yeah. You see it again. And you improve. You learn the hard way. Yes. So. I have a true story. Another first year as a certified BCBA in a school <laughs> came up with this wonderful training on a professional half day mm-hmm. for all the paras and everything that I thought was wonderful, but... Two people fell asleep, and I was up there, and I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? People are sleeping. We talk about that. But then guess what? Then I realized, okay, maybe I need to change my approach. What I thought was so interesting and ABA and everything's so great. Wow. People don't care. So I – but then what did I do? I had to modify my next one and gear it, you know, more videos and more, you know, intriguing Keep it more interactive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, have people get out of their seats. So that stretch. one, that was hard for me, and that one was easily. I got the message clear that it yep. was boring, and they yeah. fell asleep. So I had, um, one of the trains I gave, and one of the texts, 
uh, she was on her phone. And it was very awkward because yeah. I just yeah. got had a flashback to when I was teaching high school. Yeah. And when my students were on the phone, I'm just so quick to just take it and just right. give it to the kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's almost what I wanted to do. Like, yeah, right. I almost wanted to take her phone. But, no, this is a grown adult. Let me just, yes. like, I'm like, right. uh, can, and I, I use, like, more, like, plural, like, we. Can yes. we put our phones away? Like, you know, this, it made yes. me feel... And not singling, but not singling them out too. And I feel like that's a people thing too. Like, because if you single them out, guess what? They're not gonna. They're gonna be like, oh, he's a jerk. I'm done with him. I'm not gonna listen. I'm gonna close off. Like you have to. And then she apologized. She's like, oh, Oh, that's good. It's okay. Let's just move on. Oh, <laughs> like, gosh. You know, it, was, it was awkward. But, yeah. But, um, and we have a lot of those awkward times in our yeah. job, too. And even that for me has been a big learning experience of like how to handle conflict and confrontation mm-hmm. with these families. And it, it's, I'm just too much of a people pleaser. And that's my <laughs> main thing that I try to work on because I want everyone to like me. <laughs> so, like, if there's. Yeah, it is, though. <laughs> but it's you're going to come up with those situations, too. And it's like, how do you handle that? And some research says mm-hmm. one of the top predictors of success when it comes to personality traits is a sense of humor. Ah, mm. These weird situations. We're hysterical in this field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, an article I found called Behavioral Artistry <laughs> Examining the Relationship Between the Interpersonal Skills and Effective Practice Repertoires mm. of Applied Behavior Analysis Practitioners. This article was wow. by Callahan, Fox, Swarzynski. Ertz, Meta, Ellen McComb, Nichols, Segal, Donald, and Sharma. Mm-hmm. This article went over the concept of behavioral artistry. Mm. Um, there's certain traits associated with behavioral artistry. Uh, you like people. That's that's a given. You have, Hopefully, uh, I don't know. Uh, perceptive. <laughs> yeah. You have a perceptive sensitivity. Mm. Um, you don't like to fail. Now, the context they give for this is mm. you see a difficult client as a personal challenge that needs to be overcome. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you see this as an opportunity for the client to succeed. Sense of humor. It's big. Um, these are great. You look yeah, for the pony. Uh, you're very optimistic. And you <laughs> I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, you look yeah, for a I pony. I, 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 <laughs> what is that pony? Is that a saying? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Um, glass half full. Okay, well, that oh, one I know. We all know that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're thick skinned. You don't take negative See, that's my. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. That is yeah. hard. That one can be very hard, and I feel like that sort of gets a little tied in with sense of humor. Right. Like, you got to be able to yes, laugh things not, off, yes. too. Not that you should laugh in front of the learner, no. but like if the learner says, like, just lobs all sorts of insults. I was going to say, I mean, Chris and I, right. you know, like, we've been in a situation where, you know, when clients use, like, profanities, but it's, like, appropriate, we don't ever laugh, of yes. course, right then and there, but later I'll be like, wow, that was like, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to, like, laugh. yeah, you, like, laugh it off, and you're like, oh, that was or amazing, but yeah. Right, insult it. Right. Yeah. right. Or even how important, and I know I've talked about this, too, where, like, we have very difficult moments with our clients with, you know, some of their maladaptive behaviors, whether aggression, spitting, but not being able, like not taking that personally, like being able to come out of that behavior and bouncing right back and having that smile on your face after Johnny just 
smacked you across the face or spit in your face. Like, it's very, but it is, it's very hard for Johnny some people. Johnny is so troubling. I know. I just always go to Johnny. I don't even have, like, a Johnny. Just, like, There's it's no just Johnny. the name. There's no Johnny. But it's very difficult, I feel like, and for a lot of people. Like, after these behaviors and not taking it to heart and not taking it personally and being able to, like, okay, now they're compliant. We're going to bounce back in. I'm going to smile and I'm going to be back to my bubbly self after yeah. you just smacked me literally across right. the face. So it's a very... I feel like that's a really big part of our job, too. Definitely. Not taking it personal and being able to come back and still, you know, have that relationship with your client and not taking it to heart. Right. Right. And this article, which, by the way, is the um, same article I cited earlier when I mentioned how people perceive Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. field of applied behavioral analysis, um, they found through a review of the literature that these behavioral artistry skills were generally lower in ABA mm. than in other human services yep. fields. Yep. But it's still just as important. Yeah, mm. of course. And in this review of the literature, they did actually find that people... What they found is that interpersonal skills were more important for the success of the client Mm-hmm. Then were technological skills alone. I believe that. Absolutely, that's the the what we just mentioned about the combination of hard and soft. Right. Again, skills. like you could have the best programs and this and that, right. but if you don't build that foundation, if you're not collaborative, if you don't have a team approach, like all of those things, it's not going to get you anywhere. Right. Right. And so uh, the researchers in this article they set out to find a way to define and measure interpersonal skills. Um, so they use something called the 16 personality factor fifth edition questionnaire. Um, this is a questionnaire that's been used in 4,000 publications over 60 years. So its validity has been well established. Um, they also sought input from parents of children mm, I love with that. autism spectrum disorder to validate the scoring like that, that they found. You know, do you agree that these are If a BCBA comes in like this, what, how would you, right? Right. Um, they then compared this with human services majors um, and other majors. And then they observed some therapists while they were mm. working. Um, they chose two groups of therapists, a group of behavioral therapists who were in the higher percentile for behavioral artistry, and a group of behavioral therapists who were lower for behavioral Ooh. artistry, and this was after the parents had validated the BA traits. Um, they found that ABA students had, so people who had studied that had lower behavioral artistry scores. <gasps> oh, yes, that's interesting. Yep, other that's actually human shocking. Services I... Fields, and the, they also scored lower on warmth. Really? Yes. I um, feel like maybe. You know, and again, we're just hypothesizing. We don't know, but yeah. um, you're you're sort of attracted to certain fields. 
for certain reasons, reasons. right? So yeah. if you are by nature maybe more rigid. I don't know what the correct words would be, but technological, technological, technological right? Technological. You would well, be it's ABA very, scientific. It would make and it's more very, sense to you, right? Like that right. field would make more sense to you. You would you would identify with that field more. Very white and black. Yes. yes. Like, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. You also praised for that. Like you're not. I mean, at least in my education of behavior analysis, I never saw. I mean, there was like a couple of times, but for the majority of it, you were really praised or what was highly valued or rewarded was your ability to be technical and objective, not be warned Absolutely. at all, really. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's very true, too. Reinforced, yeah. Yeah, it's basically. reinforced. That's, that's a good very point. very true. And so, yeah. That's a great I, point. You're not going to, when you go into the session, that's going to be, you're going to express that because that's what's being reinforced for you. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a really good point because, like, you think, like, it's also hard in our field not to, like, be so, get so connected with your client that we're spending all these hours with and then being able to see it objectively, like you said, where it's like, okay, well, I have to respond like this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. When you mm-hmm. see this little guy and you become so, you know what I mean? Like, you develop such a rapport and a relationship, but then still being able to have your consequences and following the plan, even though it might be would hard. Would require more rigidity. Right. Would require exactly. more of that. Because I get very, you know, right. you get attached to your clients, mm-hmm. and right, it's interesting. They found that the high behavioral artistry group did demonstrate artistry during the sessions. Okay. Um, their overall finding was that these higher behavioral artistry therapists did perform better in session, um, but this is sort of a preliminary finding and Mm -hmm. the article did acknowledge they need more research Mm -hmm. Um, and they also Mm -hmm. were not able to follow up on client outcomes oh to see like Um, how effective it was if they had like every the whole package let's say you know versus so maybe they could have been like just starting in the field and eventually they developed yeah Yeah, that they developed that Right. We don't. Well, we don't know. We didn't follow. They didn't follow up with the therapist, nor did they follow up with the clients. So we have so no idea on the know, actual outcome. Right. How they've developed as professionals, and we don't know. You know, did the kid go home and have problems? With right. Them? Right. Um, they did acknowledge limitations. Um, there, there was a small sample size. It was mm-hmm. done in only one setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who did the observations were. Former therapists at that center. Oh, so that's interesting too. Biases. A little bias. I was going to say a little bias. Um, <laughs> they did not account for all combinations of education. Um, they did not research certain behavioral artistry traits, and nothing in their sample was random. Hmm. So it was limitations, but still yes. very interesting. Yes. I feel like. And I appreciated that they, they were able to put soft skills into um, a, a, a manner in which it could be researched. Right. Well, that too. Like, I mean, being able to like define it, to rate it, have the questionnaire right. with the families, because like just like in our field, what I think is, right. you know, a great sense of humor might be very different than what someone else thinks or my warmth. How do you measure warmth? Because we're talking really about constructs. Right. Yes. Right. So, we're, which we're so programmed in ABA to, you know, in this field, we're programmed to, like, not yeah. really right. talk about. Right. It's so true. Or if we're going to say certain words, operationally define them. Right. And so what does it look like? How do we measure it? Mm-hmm. And so when you say warmth. Speaking I, of measure. 
Um, <laughs> great, great. Um, so this in this article, they created the compassionate collaboration tool, um, which they believe that they could uh, could be used in a number of ways as a means to improve um, compassionate collaborative treatment by behavior analysts. Um, so the tool is maybe used as like a self-evaluative uh, checklist mm-hmm. for clinicians mm-hmm. interested in reflecting on their own approaches with families. Um, taken further, um, the compassionate collaboration tool um, was considered as a basis for training predict- pra- practitioners um, on their use of family-centered behavior analytic treatment. Um, so there's like it's like identify specific skills. Um, and it contains 25 skills that has been shown to be effective in um, applied behavior analytic research and research in related fields um, in improving treatment outcome, treatment adherence, and client perceptions of service providers. Um, Each item was scored on a three-point scale um, with three indicating that the clinician always engages in the skill, two indicating that the clinician sometimes engages in the skill, mm-hmm. and one indicating that the clinician never engages in the skill. Um, it's separated between two categories, collaborative approaches and uh, language and communication. Mm. Um, I think this is pretty good. You know, it's something that I definitely see myself using as well. Um, Let me ask you, do you think, I mean, for self-evaluation, do you think that that's, I just wonder how mm-hmm. it would, if are people gonna be honest about themselves? Yeah, I mean, like, you, you know what I mean? You like, be I, better, I would be, you, right. you'd be honest, I just, like, you know right. what I mean? No one's gonna like, you're not gonna get like in trouble. Right, <laughs> I know, I just wonder you know? how like, truthful. I mean, right. you know what I mean? Like right. how- but Peter said it, like it depends on how motivated you are. To right, if you wanna right. be a better exactly. and you wanna, you know, continue mm-hmm. learning and you know, experience all that kind of stuff. You would hope that everyone would be honest with themselves. You yeah, know? and that is a common mistake in interpersonal skills: not wanting to improve. Mm-hmm. You know, unwilling to admit that more help and learning is required. Um, or you don't know, right? Like oh, your yeah, perception, right? Your perception of what you're doing might just be that, right? That might you might not have the the intent to lie about it, but right. you, that's your perception of what's of happening. That you think, right? Right. right? interesting which is sort of a main reason why we supervise candidates yeah so no it's a main reason because you yeah. have a perception that what you're doing obviously no one is doing something because they think it's wrong right they think they're doing the it right correctly thing. right so that in itself kind of perpetuates this like this I guess you'd say rigidity, where we come in in that directive way as a supervisor, providing and feedback and doing modeling right and, and yeah, wrong right in this approach. Mm-hmm. There is a right and a wrong to a degree, so that kind of is like opposite of person, yeah, of a, a soft skill. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It assesses um, used uh, do instead of do not statements. You know, um, body language. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that's even what we do for yeah, our kids. Exactly. I was going to say, I'm never going to say, like, right. again, Johnny, like, Johnny, don't hit. It's like, Johnny, let's, you know, nice, quiet hands. <laughs> like, you want to talk about what you want to see versus what you don't want to see. Same thing, I, you know, with supervising and everything. That's Refrain from interrupting, which is which is crazy. That is, like, maintain open body posture. Yep, the posture, know? that's and right. And it's, it's so hard. It's, it's really, this is hard to really do on yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I definitely see, some, yes. like, you know, if a supervisor's yes. there observing you, like, I'll give this, like, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> check to see if I'm doing any of these things right. Right. Um, 
use vocabulary that is matched with the family's individual repertoire, mm -hmm. um, which is very hard, especially if you're dealing with a family. And we could, we could like transition to culture here. Yes. Yes. That, you know, yes. Um, I have like, families with different languages, yeah, and it's very languages, difficult, try, yeah, you know, where to, English isn't their yeah, first language, exactly. so it's difficult anyway, and then I'm trying to explain ABA terminology. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot here. Like, like culturally, I could say um, ABA is already a different language to us as Americans. Right. Like, you know, so I can only imagine mm -hmm. just how mm -hmm. much of a just crazy different language it is to someone who's from, like, I don't know, like, Nigeria or... Um, yeah. Or Brazil, or yeah, so, you know, that's somebody, exactly right. You know, so you just that's that's when empathy and compassion definitely comes into play, and also I feel like it's challenging. It, it challenges me personally mm -hmm. yeah. to learn the non-jargonistic absolutely um, term of ABA. You have to like, be able to explain it in yeah, layman's exactly, terms. Again, exactly. you can know the definition from Cooper. You know the task list, this and that. But like, can you explain it to someone who has right. no idea what ABA is? Right, exactly. Right. Even explaining it? the field. I mean, right. it took my dad like years to understand what I did. Yeah. Like, he literally <laughs> was like, oh, uh, he would call me and be like, what are you again? A B? And I'm like, dad, like, yeah, a BCBA. This is what a, B, C, D, I do. Everyone's like, oh, you're a teacher. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Uh, Everyone, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just being able to explain it all. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hanging out with friends like three weeks ago and we were just catching up. And she was telling me how like she's working for Audiomatic, she's a media manager. And, and she's like, oh, what do you do? I'm just like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm right now with Behavior Tech and I yeah. run ABA therapy. Right. Um, she's like, okay, what's that? And I basically said, yeah, we are um, teaching, uh, I'm, I, I started using all these like, yeah, yeah. you're, you're like, like term. And she's yeah. like, so was that? If yeah. I was like, I'm basically teaching them socially significant skills. Yeah, there you go. And, and uh, that that did the trick right there. Like, yeah. you know, you yeah. have to have like an elevator speech. I always like when anyone asks me what I do, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna should I say BCBA? No one's gonna relate, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I how do I explain it, it quickly to yeah. people who are just like, oh, well, what do you do for a living? You know, you can it's refreshing. You really people, gotta, yeah. It's like a teacher. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I end up We're saying teaching. it's like a teacher. Yeah, it's, it's funny because like, I used to be a teacher, and yeah. every time someone sees me, like, do you still teach? I'm like, kinda. I mean, yes, I'm still teaching. Skills, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it is refreshing to, to see people know what a BCBA is today. Like, yeah. I'm just yes. saying, I'm a, yeah, I'm a BCBA. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a BT becoming a BCBA. She's like, oh, wow, that's what I great. love when people know like, it. I'm just they, like, you know, yes, they, you know what yeah. that means. <laughs> refreshing. It is refreshing. Oh, my, God. my own family, independent of my work, is familiar. Oh, like, good. Oh, that's I, feel, I mean, and definitely that's as good. we're... I just feel like the field's growing at such a rate, you know, and I feel like more and more people are understanding it, knowing what it is, which is like really nice, and of course, you know, but yeah, you gotta have, yeah, you gotta have a little elevator speech. That's what I'm always like. How can I explain this in the quickest way that's gonna make sense? <laughs> it's such a new, like the BACB was founded when, like 1998. Like, that's, I believe that is my, a good question, Peter. Like, I believe it's I, I, I don't, don't know, what to be it? honest. It's such a, it's not. It's still new. It's it wasn't a, new field. a long time ago. No, you know that, so, no. Um, but we can we can follow up with that. But right, yeah, right. it's yeah. recent. It recent. is recent, and the yeah. field is recent. But I feel like I mean, another like misconception about ABA is like people always think of like Pavlov, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, conditioning yes. or like the yes. rats, whatever. And people, you know, like I feel like that's like an old yes 
thought but I've had families that are like, oh, it's like you're you're treating my kid like you're training a dog. Like we another thing. Yeah. It's very relatable. It is. Yeah, and right. that's what I'm like. It's definitely, it's evolved. And I, I always, and this is another like good soft skill. Like I always try to relate it back to something that's going to make sense to them in, in our everyday lives. Because we know, you know, in our field, like ABA is everywhere. It's mm-hmm. not just I working with kids with autism, right? I always try to like explain Give an example it, of real give life. Give examples right that's going to make sense to the family, even for them. Like I've given the example of reinforcement and I'm like well you go to work to get a paycheck every week you are being reinforced and that's continuing you to come to work because you get this paycheck right would you continue but what would happen right weren't getting the same right are you still going to go work for 40 hours if you're not getting paid no so it's like (laughs) (laughs) I I break it down even simpler I'm like why do you press that button on your car key that's exactly it so just making it like giving examples and and you know in terms that they're going to understand and it's just it applies to everybody it applies to everybody in every sense of the world (laughs) ABA yeah it's literally a model for like understanding like just phenomenon that's happening all the time so it's impossible to get outside of it essentially right does anyone have anything else like any other research any other I know we kind of yeah, we integrated some articles. I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, I know. Sure, I'll, I'll share my research. Ahead, so the title of my research is "Compassionate Care and Behavior Analytic Treatment: Can Outcomes Be Enhanced by Attending to Relationships with Caregivers?" So uh, by Bridget A. Taylor and Linda A. LeBlanc and Melissa R. Nosick. And I think what motivated them to do this research, one of the authors talked about how they were looking, they incidentally. What is it called? Anecdotal? Anecdotally. Anecdotally. Anecdotally, anecdotally noticed that um, there was just dissatisfaction with behavior analysts. And they actually found, which I thought was very interesting, I'm trying to find it here, but. Okay, so they found that family dissatisfaction often stemmed from deficient relationship skills. Mm-hmm. So, like, an example is like the behavior analyst seemed hurried or unavailable or not listening to parental concerns. And then. Uh, this is a pretty interesting fact that behavior analysts are more likely to have an ethics complaint filed against them by a parent or consumer oh, that makes sense than wow. by colleagues or supervisors wow uh, so she was very interested in researching that and mm. another component of this you know pl- you know before she started doing the survey which we'll get into was that she was finding evidence that clients uh, had better outcomes long-term outcomes when they had a really good relationship with their doctor or physician, mm. and she referenced articles where in other healthcare industries, when they had a good relationship, um, they did have improved outcomes. So an example was, uh, there was an article that said if uh, physicians were rated highly on Jefferson's scale of empathy, they were more likely to have cl- better clinical outcomes related to their management of diabetes. Wow. So I thought that was really That's good. That's really good. Motivation. Well, we were saying, I just feel like with, like, but, especially with the doctor, you have doctors that have, like, bed, bed, bed bad, oh my gosh, bad bedside <laughs> manner, you know, and it's like, but if you find a doctor who actually listens and yes. cares, like, we've all had doctors, right, where you yes. go in and they just, in and out, not mm-hmm. even yeah. listening, don't even care, but you're more likely, like you said, I mean, that makes so much sense if you feel like they care and they want to listen to you and, like, you know, collaborate. It's true. What a difference. So, it's just, it motivates us to then think about how if we do improve our relationship building skills with caregivers maybe we will get better 
outcome Outcomes. treatment. So it's actually... I 100% mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it would be unethical in a sense to ignore this component in our treatment model. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, if you also think about it, I mean, it will avoid... Like, if we can avoid having negative relationships, then we won't have such problems of, like, reassignment or needing to replace other people or having consequences for, like, agencies. Think about, like, the the turnover, too. I was going to say the turnover. And I just feel like, you know, if you have that negativity, this and that, you're constantly having turnover, that's not going to be successful for the client. If you constantly are having someone new in where you have to, you know, pair, build rapport, get used to the programming. Absolutely. And then it's just constant turnover. That's not going to be effective treatment. Exactly. So it's just not as simple as like, oh, well, I worked with this client and I, you know, they didn't like me or something. It's like mm-hmm. this has an impact on the culture of the BCBAs. Right. And how people even look at behavior analyst services. I want to go off of that really quick, that little statement, because I've had um, clients in the past where for whatever reason, a client didn't like me. They targeted oh, yeah. me. I was in a school and a kid just targeted me yep, for yep. no reason, you know, none that I could think of or, you know, whatever. But, and then realizing myself, like, maybe I'm not the best person to work with this yes, client. Right. Maybe they would, yes. they would have a better, you know, more effective treatment if it was somebody else. And like recognizing that, that it wasn't necessarily anything I did wrong, but we're not going to get anywhere if he's not, you know, and it was... Yeah not always the easiest thing to realize or if if you're having like maybe not the best relationship with the family same thing like they might be more effective with another bcba and that's a really good point Alyssa, because and we i bring this up with candidates um and sometimes on the study group calls but realizing that at some point you're going to do everything in your toolbox you know how to do Mm -hmm. and you're still not going to meet the needs as well as maybe someone else could have and that's one of those products of i think just us being human yeah. Because you will naturally gravitate towards certain people. And so will clients. And you're not always going to get along nope. with everyone. Just like in real life, you know, like you might not get along with someone. But the yeah. same thing with the yeah. families. Again, you could go we in and not a... be doing anything wrong. But if you just don't right. mesh well together. Right. It doesn't, it, it sometimes is like weighing the pros and cons of do you force the issue? Do you have enough time to force mm-hmm. the issue? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you have enough time to build a relationship and like get through that barrier versus just swap out the person right so it, it really is that's a really good point because we don't talk about that yeah and I feel like and that happens it happens we so. don't want we don't also want to build this feeling like anyone's failing right if you can't reach every single client and especially as like parent. when you're newly certified you don't want to be that oh, failure yeah. and feel like oh yes. my gosh like I'm gonna have to transition off yeah. this case but like it's, it's, it's I always just think everybody. like the bigger picture the client that's why we're there mm-hmm. and if they're gonna get better effective treatment then that's okay you know if we're talking so much about soft skills it's this is a huge topic and I think I might have mentioned the last podcast but um you know like my one situation Mm -hmm. and then you came in and took that that one case and it was it was like a lesson because you know it's a little bit of a humility check yeah not everyone likes me you know what and like (laughs) you you have a long track record of like what you think is success right, right? right and then you have this one client you're like until you don't. i am so seasoned <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> you know like what you don't right. want me so it is a feeling of like a little failure yeah but then t- you have to you have to just be like okay take Look a breath and the bigger right? you know what nobody is bulletproof here mm-hmm. nobody is going to reach every single and every one of us have experienced this yeah. or will experience it every yes. one of us and i think too because i've you know, family stop working with me, go 
with someone else. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think this kind of gets back to the thick-skinned part. Yes, is yes. Even though you're not indefinitely their provider, you yep. need to bring a very professional and peaceful end to that yes. relationship. Yes. yes, you don't just like, well, then. All right, see ya. Fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> No, slam and the doors. <laughs> that could be the hard part. And I, I was going to say, Chris and I had a, a client that, I mean, which again, this is like the goal is that he was doing so well that we were transitioning him to a less intrusive service. And oh, it was good. great. Right, However, right. bringing up the conversation to the yes. family and they had felt, you know, blindsided, abandoned, yeah, like always, all of the, and they do. And right. it was like, no matter how much we were trying to like explain it to them that this mm. is like good. And, you know, and it was just a very hard conversation to have but also like you said doing it professionally staying on for you know giving them that notice we're going right. to transition slowly we're not just going to cut you out but it is it's hard for the families not to feel like we're cutting them off but just again it's it's a hard it's hard conversations to have but just having them doing things right and professionally and and you know just going along those lines so right. yeah uh, and in my research they were really looking at three core ideas, which was one, listening and collaboration, empathy and compassion, and negative behaviors that could contribute to problems in a therapeutic relationships, and they found that these three components were good measures to indicate whether someone had relationship building skills or that uh, caretakers felt comfortable with their BCBA. And in my research, they, in my article, they did define empathy and com- compassion the same way that Peter did that empathy is your ability to do perspective taking and compassion as the action Mm. of that that's a consequence of it and so they sent out a survey where 95 um, participants uh, answered and they sent it out through Facebook emails and selected autism advocacy organizations Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what they found before I go into that so these questions they were able to be scored from one to five, one being strongly disagreed, five being strongly agreed. And they were able they were able to see like really high scores in some areas and low scores in others. And what they found was that uh, respondents indicated that behavior analysts rate rated highly on listening to concerns in the first meeting oh. and protecting confidentiality. Oh. And ethics. <laughs> Right, and some of the things that they could improve on was compromising during a disagreement. Really? Inquiring about satisfaction and okay. role clarification. So, role clarification. That is such a big oh, yeah, topic. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because how often are they like, hey, you want to babysit? You want to do this? And just understanding what your role yep. is from the get go. This is why I'm here. <laughs> exactly. That's and so important. I mean, oh what, what I'm saying is they got less than 75% average rating. So, and. This is all calculated through mean and standard deviation. Uh, so that was in the context of listening and collaboration. And then the second component is empathy and compassion. And they found that respond, respondents indicated that behavior analysts were rated highly on caring about and celebrating and appreciating child's progress and strength. Aww. But they scored low nice. mm-hmm. on demonstrating caring about the entire family, acknowledging mm-hmm. mistakes or treatment failures, and being patient and reassuring. Oh, that's interesting to me. Like not the patience. Yeah. I feel like we gotta have a lot of patience yeah. of what we're it's, doing. Yeah, right. and, so, and sometimes like I feel like I'm being patient, or but then maybe there's people that are not as patient, yeah. or maybe I think I'm being patient. I'm right, not actually and that's being patient. true too. Right. So interesting. That's why it's just 
very important to research. Yeah. Um, and then the third component was negative behavior that could mm. impact a relationship negatively. So if they rated high, that means that they were, you know, doing these negative behaviors. And so respondents rated highly uh, for behavior analysts, technical language and jargon, which yeah. pretty much overlaps with what Peter and Chris were saying, uh, interrupting, <laughs> interfering opinions about, you know, so interfering with other opinions of other disciplines mm. and distraction during meetings. Oh, would that be like on your phone or something, mm-hmm. or like maybe. just ma- appearing distracted, maybe, and not like be, present yeah. in the or like, you know, or like this other person's discipline or like assessment is not as important as my assessment. Mm-hmm. Like, right, so kind like, of not like I think of like an IEP and not listening to like the yes goals of the teacher. In, in my article, I remember they um they were breaking down like how jargon jargonistic terms are pretty much opera sounding. Um, they are not preferred by non-behavior um, analysts, and they use the word contingent reinforcement and how um, right. they don't like the word contingent reinforcement, and they replaced it with, like, reward or relief. Oh, you know? okay, okay. Um, like it has a negative connotation yeah, a negative or something. Connotation Isn't that something. interesting? Yeah. Um, and how, like, hey, those words make more sense. We should use those words instead of contingent reinforcement, which I get, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. they mean the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's something a parent could understand. It's something that um, a parent who may not be from this country could understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? So it's, right. it's fair. I, I get it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, uh, but the authors did say that the be, uh, current behavior analysts were performing well on some skills, so it's nice. not like all negative. All negative. Feedback, <laughs> um, but it's just that this survey reveals that there are places that behavior analysts could improve and should arguably improve. You know, ethically speaking. I mean, and ethically, we're we're all continuing to improve always oh, in every yeah, realm. Right. Your experience, we're growing our knowledge. That's why we have CEUs and, and different trainings and right, so that we trainer. are continuing. Yes. You should never, the minute you feel that you know everything is like the end of it because like you should always be open yep. to continuing always to learn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're always learning. Things are always, the field is continuing to develop and we have to always, you know, continue to learn with that. It just goes right, right. back to ethics and values, I think, you know, because they, they actually end up grounding all of this, um, sort of the motivation of why the analyst should focus on soft skills is because that it aligns us with our ethics code of collaborating yeah. with others or listening or making sure we're getting the client's preferences. Right. Um, recommending goals and strategies that align with, uh, like we said, the client's goals or other disciplines. Uh, so, yeah. um, acknowledging the environment, the, the risks, the constraints, the social validity of our approaches. And in order to do that, you have to be able to actively listen. You have to demonstrate empathy, concern, be able to compromise. So I feel like it just ties it all together. Right. And it's you know? so important because then you're going to increase uh, not only the behavior analyst competence to create strong relationships, but you're going to improve the culture of behavior analysts and the feedback that people are getting. You know, like um, agencies are just going to have better reputations and it's also you're going to improve on the effectiveness of treatment and that's why we're all here right we're all here for our clients and having effective treatment and getting significant change and and i just feel like if if you take away anything from today's podcast Mm -hmm. is the importance of the soft skills where yes we have a heavy heavy um 
focus focus on like you said the hard skills the task analysis cooper understanding terminology and strategies but soft skills are equally as important you need to have a good combination of the hard skills and the soft skills to to thrive in our field and to have effective treatment you could think of the soft skills as your vehicle to mm-hmm. get the hard skills done. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's because absolutely right. Because if you have those soft skills in your toolbox, then you're able to better communicate and, again, sell right. the hard skills in yeah. what you're doing. So you can't do really – you can't use At, or right. utilize your hard skills without that soft, soft skills. skills. Yeah. It's so true. And I think, you know, just to add one more thing is that you're always going to continue to learn that too. Like we're all still living and absolutely. learning these soft skills absolutely. and you're going to come – across different situations and scenarios that are going to continue to strengthen those skills. So especially when you're newly certified, you just, you're learning as you go and that's okay. You're never going to know everything going right into it. Even seasons, BCBAs, BCABAs, BTs even, you will never have the same exact family twice. Never. You're never going to have the same exact client twice. You might see similarities. We always see, you know, a lot of similarities, but you're never going to duplicate a situation so you have to you almost, you have to learn yeah. every time so you know no matter how seasoned you are there is this need to continuously <clears throat> sharpen your soft skills that's right but in order to do that you have to identify the barriers that's right that's right so they were able to do that and i think the two most important ones uh, or at least actually very one important is just the lack of training right. or neglecting to even address these things and they actually cited a research that said that the most frequently assigned readings of behavior analysts graduate training programs, um, of these foundational readings, none directly address relationship skills. Wow. So, I mean, and that's like what we said when no one talked to me about soft skills no. before. Mm-hmm. No, so, never. But maybe that's like our field is growing and we're acknowledging the importance of soft skills too. Like I feel like as you know, we're growing as a field. Yeah, maybe more reliance on that, right? Exactly. And more so looking at it as from like a customer service mm-hmm. point of view, mm-hmm. it's like just just. Taking ABA outside of this is like if you go to a restaurant or if you go to I don't know um, any other customer like a, a grocery store. Right. Like, you know you want the best. You want someone being kind to you. you right. Want someone showing you respect. You want someone to listen to you. If a waitress you know. comes up and says, "What do you want?" Yeah, versus like, exactly. "Hi, how are you today? Not, yeah. What can oh, I get true, you? My true. name's Alyssa." You yeah. know, like you're more likely to go somewhere again if you're being treated well, treated, treated right. or you just feel comfortable. That's right. definitely. Yeah. Like, it's it's so true. Yep. Yeah. Some some other ones that they identified was just high focus on technical training with shaping ver- uh, verbal precision, which is kind of like Peter says mm-hmm. and yeah. Chris said. One interesting one was funding sources. So funding sources may hamper development of relationships with families by limiting the number of hours clinicians spend with family or providing lower reimbursement rates for parent training activities, which could impact the motivation for people to want to create a strong relationship because maybe you just, you only have like an hour or two, so you just get in, you do right. get in, get, get out, out yeah. and, or you got to go already to another person. There's no positive consequence for trying to engage with the families or mm-hmm. or just trying to build these strong relationships. Um, yeah. Lack of awareness or motivation of their own behavior. So covert behaviors, mm-hmm. I think it's something that we mentioned. Not practicing self-compassion, like doing negative self-assessment, overly focusing on clinical error or self-critical verbal behavior. Mm-hmm. Stressors at work, burnout, uh, deficient repertoire or low frequency in engaging with coping skills so and also the consideration that empathy is an emotional labor 
So I think yeah. that's important if you want to get clinicians to become motivated to start employing these skills. Right. Um, and, some, and some of the ways they set to overcome the barriers was simply to do comprehensive training in these core competencies. Um, one interesting thing I thought was interesting is that they took empathy and they put in an acronym, eye contact, muscle or facial, uh, muscles of the facial expressions, posture, affect, tone of voice. See, we're talking about this. Like, how do you define empathy? But that they just gave, like, these markers right. to sort of, right. you know, yeah. like, touch on them and, and here's what to look for, which is interesting. It's, it's there. And so they just, inside the article, they give you three different kinds of curriculums you can use. And right. they recommend that people take them and develop their own to use in their own agencies. Um, and then I'll end with, I think, this really great quote from Wolf uh, from 1978, where he says, if we aspire to be socially important, um, then we must develop systems that allow our consumers to provide us feedback about how our applications relate to their values to their reinforcers. Which Love I think, that. I, that's really that's good. Really that's good. Very that's exactly, in society, yeah. We gotta present ourselves in a way that society will value us. Right. The only way to do that is to connect to their reinforcers and to connect to the things that they value too. Yeah, that's great. That's good, Kevin. That is really good. I just feel like we we hit on so much today, but I just hope that everyone sees really the importance of the soft skills. And, yes. You know? And it's not something that we're going to mm-hmm. kind of cover in one session. No. This is an ongoing process and something that should be addressed in every candidate's supervision experience. Right. Um, and every certified person's experience. It should be continuously refreshed. And anyone in the field. You don't even have to yeah. be going for your hours or, you no, know, no. as certified. Or It's just working in this field and being having these soft skills just to be the best that you can be and give the best treatment. Absolutely. And it's totally possible. I mean, two courses can probably go a long way on right. doing readings or just identifying what is empathy, what is active listening, how to make an uh, perspective, how to do perspective taking, how to make an empath- uh, empathetic statement. Right. Mm-hmm. Very important stuff, and it's hard to teach, too. We always say that, but I think, like, maybe as our field grows, maybe we will see a course like that in the coursework, and I think that would be so great. Right, right. It would be great. Absolutely. <laughs> no, this was really good. So um, we want to remind everybody also, today's podcast is eligible for CE, yeah. one CE. Um, so if you would like to participate in that, please contact Alyssa Brown or Melissa Riley, and we will um, give you access to a survey, which you will complete and then receive your CE for listening to this podcast. And as always, if anyone has any feedback, just like what we're talking about here, soft skills, yep. give us our feedback. We want to know how we're doing. And if there's anything that you want to hear, we would love to you know, have different topics to discuss. So please provide any feedback, any recommendations on what you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, But we thank you guys. We thank you for listening. We thank Kevin, Chris, and Peter for joining us today. And we hope that you enjoyed it. And, you know, as always, just continue to grow in this field and expand your knowledge and experience. And we thank you guys so much. (laughs) We'll see you again. Have a great day. Take care.